This episode is brought to you by Portland Distro. If you like underground music, movies, and more, go to portlanddistro.com for licensed merch, vinyl, CDs, and more. Plug in the discount code 10OFF, T-E-N-O-F-F, for a 10% discount at portlanddistro.com. This episode is also brought to you by Patreon sponsor Mike McLennan. I Hate God is hitting the road with Goat Whore. The tour starts on April 8th and ends on the 30th. It's 30 years of Take as Needed for Pain, one of I Hate God's seminal records. So be sure to check them out. Go to their website, IHateGod.ee, for all of the tour dates. Welcome to this week's episode of the Everything Went Black podcast. I'm here with uh, my brother, Ralph Schmidt. We're presenting to you a brand new concept for another, yet another, ongoing sub-series. So, uh, Ralph, why don't you tell us what we're talking about? Yeah. Hi. Welcome, everybody. Uh, glad to be back on here. It's been a while, man. It's good catching up. And, uh, yeah, I had a lot of time to think about, like, stuff. And like I mentioned on the last podcast, I'm like figuring some shit out in my life and like trying to do like not to better myself, but like make better decisions and, and yeah, I don't know, like get rid of stuff that in my life that like worry me or trouble me. <clears throat> and that leads to a process of like me like thinking a lot about life and shit. And I'm not like this deep thinker. Like I'm not trying to pretend like all like a smart guy, like sitting at home. <laughs> like I'm not Immanuel Kant, you know, like thinking about stuff for ages and then like writing cool books that no one understands. But um, there's always these these subjects that come back to me. And I was like, I, I mean, we, we always talk about the podcasts and I love like the horsemen. So like shout out to all these guys. And like I would listen to my to my wrestling podcasts, and like right now, like listening to wrestling podcasts is pretty much just like reading Twitter. It's like opinionated people telling like you're like telling you that their opinion is better than other opinions and shit like this. And then there are like more of these these audio books or like audio dramas as podcasts, which is kind of a cool thing that is happening. But I was like. There's there's so much more to what everything went black is than like most of the other podcasts because it's not like strictly focusing on one thing. And I mean it's like kind of like the music that we do or listen to. It's like I can listen to purist black metal, like traditional, but I don't want to necessarily play it. So like I try to incorporate other things, and that's the cool thing when you stepped away from Metal Matters to Everything Went Black. I mean, that was your idea, what you told me. I want to be open to do whatever I want. So I can always pitch shit to you, and we'll talk about it, and, and some of these things are cool, and then we do it, and this will be the first one of those. You know? 
Yeah, that's true about Metal Matters. I mean, it was it was fun, but um, definitely uh, after a while, the grind of, of doing a weekly show strictly on heavy metal music, even though I love metal and there's so many other things that I enjoy and um, not not to have the freedom to go and uh, explore those things, you know, and, and it's like we're once again with music, too. I mean, you know, maybe, maybe to my detriment, like I do love a lot of the same stuff that you're talking about, like just you know, cult, black metal, you know, very, you know, thrash, like all that stuff. But whenever I try to make music like that, it feels like I'm in a cover band, you know? And then, yeah, right. And then to my, maybe to the detriment of, uh, <laughs> I try to mix things up and people are, what the fuck is this guy doing? It's like, this is not what I want to hear, or this is too many other things that I don't understand or, you know, whatever, but that's the way yeah. it is, you know? But, but, you know, like on the other hand, it's like the, look, look at how, like how long tunes has been around and you're shifted the sound and it was always like on the forefront of like what is like actually possible pushing the boundaries and therefore you have some dedicated fans. You will never have as many fans as like a band like Marduk or, or, you know, like Horde Tudor or like these bands that have been like doing their shtick for ages. And there's like a lot of people that want that, and that's cool. But like the same is with Ulfa. It's like we created this small bubble, and we have like such dedicated fans because they love that we incorporate whatever we deem necessary to like get across the feeling that we want to get across. And the same I see with Tombs and a lot of the bands that we're fans of, you know. And uh, but it's like okay, we will never be like the top selling band, but we have like a fan base that like enjoys the diversity in the music. And I think that's the cool thing about the Everything Went Black branch that like the people that listen to this, they love that it's not just like, so you recorded a new record. What was your motivation? Who did the artwork? When did the drummer took a shit when they go went to like when they were in the studio? Like that's yeah. there are a million podcasts doing that. Yeah. Well, you know, not not once again going back to just Metal Matters. Even though that was a great opportunity and, and the Gimme Radio guys are awesome. And um I'm still you know, I'm still in touch with those guys. They're cool people and you know, they, they actually play a big part in whenever Tombs has a new record, they're very much a part of promoting that record too, which I have nothing but gratitude for. You know, but uh, sure, yeah, yeah. But for me, it just got to be, um, and and that podcast was actually starting to get really pretty big numbers. You know, we were attracting, mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, sponsors and stuff like that. But I just like I got real, real bored, man, real turned off to it. And the big, <laughs> the the moment that I was like, "Fuck this," was when I had an interview uh, Adam Darsky, and uh, and I was just like, it, "If anyone wants to go and look, if I don't even know if the stream is up anymore, that." that interview is not even posted because it was such a shitty, completely useless conversation I had with that guy. Yeah. And that's when I was and like, you know what, man, I'm going to do everything went black. These guys can find someone else who's probably more suited to <clears throat> um, stroking the ego of a guy like that, you know? Mm. Yeah. And that's the thing, like you and I, and like a lot of others, Jackie, Carl, Brandon, Michael and like Jeff, like all these, all these cats that are like in the horsemen and a lot of the podcasts that we enjoy that are people that like, yes, this is like kind of the basic narrative of what this podcast is about. But then we talk about other things. I mean, if you listen to Necromania, if I listen to Necromaniacs, no, it's not just like, oh yeah, this is the movie. This is the plot. I like this. This is bad. But it's like, what 
did probably like maybe what did the the producer think about like the acting like what kind of metaphysical level has that to it and i enjoy stuff like this way more and just like if you listen to the interviews that jackie does on, on into the necrosphere it's also like it's deep dive it's like the people behind the music and so what i thought about the last weeks is like there are these reoccurring words you know like these concepts of things that are like basic parts of human lives and i mean this is like a real philosophical thing so if you're like out there listening to this now and you're not into like deep thinking philosophy or whatever <laughs> or like like reflecting on your life this episode of this top concept is probably not that thing but like what i what i want to call it is like the metaphysics of and then i want to have like one sub like one aspect and just do like a free free talk about like how this thing plays a part in our lives in culture in 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 society in general i mean it will always go back to movies and music because these concepts like happen there too and so i want to call this like the the metaphysics off and then just add the like actual thing and for this week which is a thing that i thought about a lot because i encountered it a lot of times especially in the last weeks and I mean, we'll have a million things to talk about is the premiere episode will be the metaphysics of fear. Yeah. That's a good one. No doubt. Especially yeah. since, uh, you know, I mean, you guys probably know that I had some um, you know, personal stuff go on. That's why last week's episode was a, a from the vault uh, episode. And, and I've been remiss on the, you know, the, the weekly staff pick for a couple of weeks. But, you know, we're back on track. And this is going to tie into what we're going to talk about this week. So, um yeah, it's it's good that we're we're doing this, but uh, yeah. before we get going, I just want to do our uh, you know get our get our shout outs in order. You know, we we kind of touched on our our brethren out there in the uh, horsemen of the podcasting apocalypse, of course. So yeah. uh, on Monday we have Brandon Legion with Horror Wolf six six six, and Brandon recently had my good friend Paul from um, from Wrestle Spirit on, and uh, we're going to be meeting up with those guys again in May. Uh, we're playing a show down in, well, it's a festival down in Baltimore. And uh, we're playing on the same stage, so that should be a lot of fun to see those cats again. And uh, Brandon's show is a horror podcast, <clears throat> interview-based. He's got a wide variety of different people on there. Either Paul's a, also, besides being a rock and roller, he's a uh, journalist, a horror journalist. So I'm sure they talk, you know, they get into that stuff too. Uh, Tuesday, we have the premier extreme music podcast brought to you by jackie smith and of course that's into the necrosphere and i say this with all sincerity man that it is literally the only show i regularly listen to that deals with metal i mean i also uh -huh. did listen to big will's show every now and then the heavy hole podcast uh that's another great one too um but jackie's the man he's got it dialed in it's like a full honest straight from the heart you know, no bullshit show. There's not stroking anyone's ego, which is a lot of times what you're called to do when you're interviewing these fucking jackasses. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, it's no, there's no PR element of like, yeah, man, you know, we'll give you the cover or whatever if you're doing, you know, if you say a good thing about this record, you know. And that's, uh, that's, that's something I really appreciate, you know. And, um, you know, moving down the line, we got Wednesday, which is today, and that's Everything Went Black. Thursday is Necro Thursday, which is kind of, um, it's a fun, that's a fun show for me because sometimes it gets kind of heavy here on uh, Everything Went Black. 
But uh, I, che- I team up with uh, my, my, my brothers, Mike Scandato and Jeff Kashid, and uh, old friends, guys I've known for a long, long time, guys that I have deep history with. Um, you know, Jeff and I have known him for probably close to 30 years at this point, and um, really, really good friend of mine. And we talk about horror movies, man. Just two of us, two at a time. Sometimes the three of us, if it's a big event, we'll get into like a Halloween episode or something like that. Notable comes out. We'll do the three of us on the line together. And it's just a lot of fun. And um, yeah, we just we just have fun on that show, man. It's it's good. And uh, Sunday is Soul Knocks with Carl Hikara, and there's a lot of crossover with that one. I, I Carl and I are currently doing a collaborative thing where he does an episode, then I do an episode, and it's called Darkness Weaves, and it's breaking down the work of a uns, in my opinion, unsung writer, Carl Edward Wagner. And we're starting with In a Lonely Place, the short story collection that was recently republished. And it's been out of print for ages. And uh, I spent a lot of money <laughs> on buying a hardcover copy of, of uh, not this particular book, but another book that has some of these stories in it. And uh, had I known that it was going to be republished, I probably would have waited. However, it is nice to have this beautiful hardcover on my bookshelf, you know, and, and that's, that's kind of the way it is, you know. Um, I'd like to welcome new patron Mike, and uh, he's joined at the at the sponsor level, and um, his 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 uh, sponsor is going to be uh, his com uh, his ad is going to run next week, and um, yeah, so that that's a thing Patreon. So if you want to support the show, you can join for as little as one dollar a month, which gets you the bonus content. Five dollars a month gets you all all of the early access to the regular episodes plus the bonus content and then for $25 you can have an ad on the show similar to what I do for Portland Distro and you get one read a month for $25 and you can do it for one month you can do it for one month or for all eternity it's up to you and um and that's uh that's the whole spiel man that's what we got going on here Please give us a follow on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, you can find me and Ralph on our own personal accounts. And um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much it, man. So let's uh, let's get into the episode. Yeah. <clears throat> so what I thought about was like, uh, I mean, fear is a concept that I thought like spend a lot of time thinking about, and especially like being a teacher, you see fear on a lot of levels. And uh, so there's like various aspects that we can talk about. I think we should refrain from like reading like a definition of the actual term from like the internet because I think the concept of fear is pretty clear. Like uh, there's nothing we need to like explain. We all uh, like as human beings, we fear things. It's just implanted in us, something we can control to a certain degree. But in general, it's like an instinct. It's a thing we have. It can fuck up our life. It can protect our lives. And so um, what I did is like I thought about lyrics or like things that I um, that I have, like where, where the word fear comes into play or like songs that have this. And I wrote, wrote down three song titles and I would like to use them as sort of like chapters in, 
get going with those. So I have like an easy one, which is like kind of basic. And then uh, we go from there to like a more deep into like deeper philosophical approach, if that's cool for you. That sounds great. I have a bunch of notes. I have, I have some lyrics and you know, even I have some literary stuff in my, my notes too. So yeah, we should roll. Okay. Okay, so like as an introduction, when you think about fear, it's always like, okay, there's something scary. And uh, I think like with one of the key instincts that we have, I, I thought of like one of my favorite Iron Maiden songs, Fear of the Dark. And what I associate with that is like the fear of the unknown in this case and brings me instantaneously to a, one of our favorite topics, which is like uh, horror movies and shit like this. So um yeah man like why why do horror movies work for you like which horror movies work the best for you well the uh you know people have probably heard this already if you listen to this podcast and necromaniacs my mom <laughs> brought me to see uh exorcist at a very very young age in the drive-in movie theater and so right away man um you know i was very young uh at that point your parents are basically your life support system, your whole world. Like your whole world is associated with the home and your mom and your dad. And, um, you know, they are providing you a space of safety and protection against the, um, the outside world and all the, you know, pitfalls and risks and things like that. So that movie <laughs> was very, very like invasive in that way. And um, it was this force of chaos that was kind of invading my safe space, and it made me very scared. And I remember hiding, closing my eyes, and you know, just very. Uh, it, it was a, a feeling of not being of being in peril and not being safe, and not only that, but not be able to define the things that were threatening me. And that was like my very, very first earliest memory of being scared. And that's, yeah, I, I can absolutely like connect. I had the same thing that I spoke about, like on the podcast with the Omen. Yeah. And I mean, these are two like heavy hitters to get started, you know? Absolutely. Man. I think if, if, if kids start like, you know, like watching scary, no, not a scary movie, but like Scream or something. Yes, there's a costume and a bit creepy, but in general, I think it's a different thing if you enter the world of horror movies with a, uh, with a with a scream or like for the newer kids with something like X or something. Yeah. But if you start, I mean, like I can see why kids were like really into smile because it's weird, you know, like this scare, like kind of the same way that FX twin videos, like the smile and FX twin videos gave me the creeps. I can understand why this resonated with kids. But dude, like I remember like watching The Exorcist when I was really young and like kind of the same with The Omen. It's just so dreadful and, and uh, like it's just so surreal. And like in that age, your brain is not able to comprehend what's happening because we're able to like we're already afraid of things. But like this is like next level shit. Then. Yeah, exactly. And, and to this day, that's still you know, the, the uh, you know, the novel, well, the, the two novels that in Legion and the film. And, you know, actually, Exorcist 1 and 3 <laughs> are still, like, yeah. two of my favorite uh, horror movies of all time, and I think for that reason. Yeah. And I just want to expand on that just a bit. Um, as, a, as a kid, as a child, you know, I, I, the house I grew up in 
um, has like a main, like a it's, a it's a raised ranch, which is quite popular in the Northeast. So there's a basement, mm. and there's a first floor, and the living space is the first floor. Two bedrooms, you know, a guest room, master bedroom, that kind of thing. And mm. um, even at a young age, I was terrified of going into the basement because it was dark. You know, mm-hmm. so my my world was the first the the first floor of this house, really, and then whenever wherever my parents took me, you know, like at that age. Now this another recent horror film, Skinnerink, which you know is something that I cannot wholeheartedly recommend to anybody because mm-hmm. I understand if people don't like it or they don't get it or whatever, like I get it. But for me personally, that was like the reduction of all of this into just a single statement of being young and powerless and yeah. having the un- something that you cannot define having such control over your life. So that was another very important mo- uh, movie film because it, it really captures that fear, that early development, developmental fear that you have of just the unknown, the dark and everything's threatening. You know, and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's that's like a more very visceral, primal, you know, human element that connects you with your your family unit. You know, yeah, yeah. It's 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 the thing is like the these instincts that we have. I mean, it's a safe like the the having fear is like a safety net because you don't do things, you shouldn't do things that endanger your life. I mean, it's kind of like a survivalist instinct, and then it's like. Um, yeah, you see yourself confronted with these things, and like that's why these movies scare me. You know, like yeah. I can, I can, I can watch like a Jason film, and I'm entertained. I like that's always like to me. Like there are these horror movies that I can eat like during the movie. I can eat popcorn watching Jason. I don't care for Jason. You know, yeah. I can, I can watch, I can eat popcorn watching Halloween because like Halloween is not really scary. It's 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 dark. It's creepy, but it's not scary. But you won't see me eating popcorn or like or like chips or anything when I watch Skinnerink, Blair Witch Project, or The Witch, or these kind of things. You know, like actual act, like really creepy shit. And that's the same thing when I started watching Skinnerink. I like okay, I have these snacks here, and it's like I ended up didn't touch any of the snacks because I I like even further. I went even further. I put out all the lights in my apartment, so it's actually just the signal of the TV while it was really dark. Because I wanted to trigger this this feeling. Because the older we get, the less that's my feeling. The less you're afraid of things, like you're afraid of different things. But like this childhood creepy things, they don't touch as much anymore. If I watch The Omen, yes. If I watch The uh, The Exorcist, and I see uh, I see uh, Captain Howdy's face in in the, in the in the corner of the screen, that still gives me the creeps because I know what happens. But, you know, like a lot of horror movies, they're just like, okay, that's good. But I want to have that thrill, that heartbeat, that fear, like indicates the adrenaline. That's why, why I like, that's why I still like check out all the horror movies. I'm always happy when there's one that actually touches me. Yeah. I, I have to say something about Halloween, though, because as a, as a kid, when I saw that, that definitely scared me for sure. Now I appreciate yeah. it on a different level, just the, the energy and the atmosphere of it. It's really cool, but... You know, the town of Haddonfield, the fictional town of Haddonfield, there's actually a town in New Jersey called Haddonfield, but the fictional town um, is very much exactly like the town I grew up in. You know, like same mm-hmm. suburban, 
you know, very, very non-threatening, you know, it was uh, definitely a safe environment to grow up in. Yet there was this darkness, the whole story with Michael Myers, like him murdering his family and all that sort of stuff. And then him coming back to the town, which um, resonated with me as a young kid. Because, you know, I was going to school and like, you know, you have like the everyday things that you deal with. You go to school, like you take the bus home or whatever, and you're walking down the you know safe streets and the specter of Michael Myers during the day. Yeah. Just as like, it's almost like you just walk right by this guy and you don't know, barely notice him there like lurking. Yeah. Really cast a whole, a shadow on my growing up when I was, you know, when I was a kid. Cause part of me was like, you know, any you know, shit, man, I thought I was safe up here in Carmel, New York. Like, you know, I, I thought I was, I was out of the clutches of, of evil, you know, but sure enough, Things can happen to you out there. And around the time of, of that, I started really paying attention to the news, the local news. And mm-hmm. there would be these horrible stories of people getting killed and, you know, like stuff that like you would never associate with a small town, you know. And then yeah. there you would read something in the paper about some about something happening. And then, you, but, you know, there was not a lot of crime, but then you would talk to other people about it. And then they were like, oh, yeah, that was the, you know, whatever. Like, But then what they're telling you is almost like a folklore of what actually happened. And then it takes yeah. on this, like, supernatural sort of um, profile in your mind, you know. And then you yeah. have, there you do, you have a monster. You have Michael Myers, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's yeah, like you sure. conjure up this this boogeyman, basically, uh, that has a, a, a foot in factual, you know, in the factual, factual world. Yeah. And that's... Why, I, for me, that's why Michael Myers kind of like is creepy and was terrifying as a young young person. Yeah, yeah it's it's this 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 aspect. I remember like this one when Laurie watches out of the, her window and you can see him like standing like on the, on the ground level next to the tree and then he disappears. Yeah, that's definitely creepy. And I mean, this um, th- this is one of the most timeless movies ever. Even though like all the people look like kind of ridiculous, like from today's standpoint, but still like this movie. I mean, that's still like kids in my school now that are into horror movies. They come back and say like, "Oh, did you see Halloween? Did you see the first Halloween?" And it's like it still works. Yeah. Like a lot of the old horror movies don't hold up. This one does. What what I found like when I I mean we we, we spoke there was this episode on on, on on horror wolf that we have recently did with this this the six most scariest scenes in in shows and movies that we talked about and I like I thought about this a bit more and then it's like um so uh yeah the the the, the, the movies that like gave me the creeps the most are the ones that endangered <clears throat> my my uh. My, my state that I was in being a kid because there are these horror movies where they only like there's like a lot of adults being slaughtered you know like if you watch like a Romero zombie movie it's will be like a lot of adults whose guts get spilled but the movies that like as a kid gave me the creeps was Nightmare on Elm Street yes because there was like the boogeyman coming in your dreams killing you on our hunt for kids um you had phantasm the tall man, oh, yeah. like mm-hmm. young Jesse being in like in danger, you know, like these kind of movies where like, and then to me as a kid, like as a young guy, and I saw it when I was, it came out in 1990. I must've seen it in 91. So it was 11 or 12 was it like the TV movie for it. 
and which starts out with like Georgie having going to the basement, like this basic primal fear that all the kids have that I had in my house that you just explained from your house that you don't want to go into the basement. And like the fear of you going down and then the light switch doesn't work is like to this day is to me like one of the worst nightmares that scenarios that happens. If I go to like a house or like if I go to the basement and someone didn't like flip the switch 100%, so like the light is off, but the contact is still on, and you're like at the other end and you'd like try to switch on the light and it doesn't work because the other switch is not like ready, and you're standing in the dark and I'm 43 years old, I'm a yeah. reasonable adult, and then you're still like there in the dark, be like, holy shit, why? Like, why does this have to happen now? Oh, yeah, totally. And good. yeah. And that's what that's why I like it when like when it is in the in the in the gutter and, and then like rips out Georgie's arm. Like when I read that book, like I wanted to stop reading at that moment. And I saw the movie and just like there is an evil clown on the hunt for kids. So yeah, this shit works because it invades the 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 sanctity of like being a child who's protected by his parents at most of the times. Yeah, that, that was well put about that because um you know, that probably is the very, the heart of all fear really is that, you know, and it's, it's interesting you talk about darkness and the, you know, I mean, it's, for my job, I have to go into these like pretty, you know, every now and then I got to go to some building somewhere in some space that we're renovating into some kind of facility. You know, it's usually some big, you know, structure, you know, and, uh, hmm. it's been it not being used for anything for a long time. And, um, Sometimes on my Instagram, you'll see I, I'll post pictures of some of these places and it's like, you know, you would open up this hatch and you have to go down in there. There's no lights and it's just like this complete inky darkness. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, get the fuck out of here. There's no way I'm going down there. Like, we gotta, <laughs> we gotta, and I'm like, all right, call. Look, we got to get temporary lights down here before I even go into this fucking place. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's a real thing though man just you don't know what the hell is lurking down there you know yeah yeah that's 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 these kind of movies like as above so below like one of the found footage films that i've totally back dude like going even further down and down crawling on top of like bones and then like the cave collapses behind you and you're stuck in the darkness with just like a flashlight or if like worst case just a lighter and it's just like no way dude like heart attack right now i just like i probably be just like in there it's like okay heart can you please please stop pounding so like <laughs> just let 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 me just die right now like i don't want to go any further yeah I'm gonna, I'm gonna take this opportunity to mention a movie where this does not work actually <laughs> and, uh, anyone who's listened to uh, necro will know that we did not uh well i didn't jeff had a, a little bit more favorable opinion about this movie but the movie outwaters which for some reason people seem to like that movie i thought it was a total failure and uh, it had a lot of elements that feeds into this that they could have capitalized on but they just missed it somehow and i guess that speaks to the difficulty of making a great film or making a good film you know it's probably easy mm. to fuck that up you know yeah sure I mean, it's not not every not every horror movie like every modern horror movie can be like an instant classic like dash cam. <laughs> so I'm also like I'm I'm afraid I'm afraid I have to watch this at some point again in my life. Dash cam. It's also yeah, it's also a scary thing to like. Oh no, someone forces me to watch this. <laughs> All I gotta say is Annie, if you're listening, man, 
<laughs> Hit me up, man. You seem to be. She seems to be the only type of woman that has any interest in me. That type of woman, like Annie. So I'm around. <laughs> yeah, like before. Like before we go to the next like chapter is like um, I, I in music in in school when I teach music and in the tenth grade when they're a bit older I always like I just like subjects that like involve like thinking about music more than like actually just playing an instrument. And I always go back because I'm like generation MTV. So like I grew up with all these music videos and there's like a bunch of scary music videos. Like I mentioned, like the FX twin video for Come to Daddy or uh, Window Liquor that like, gave me the creeps when I was younger. So I always have like different subjects, like different topics. And then I want them to be uh, like to watch a music video and to like try to think about what did the director want to tell us. And there's one video, I don't know if you know that, like that band MGMT. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, do you know the video Kids with, like, with the monsters? Or do you, like, do you know that one? I know one song by them, which I quite like, actually. But um, I don't I don't know if that's the one. Is it? Is it in the video? Is there, like, a giant kitty cat that, that someone's riding? <laughs> is that the video? Yeah. Uh, no, not really. No, no, no. Like, I mean, like, if you, if you like listen to listen to that song, you're like probably like most people will know it because it's been. Uh, wait, let me just like I have a computer. Like, let me see if I can play it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, like, it has this like this catch, catchy melody. Like everybody knows that song. Yeah. And uh, the song is really kind of happy. And but if you watch the video, and it's like there's a, a mom, like a neglecting mom, like sunglasses on, smoking, carries around a baby, and like at first point it's like what is happening, but all of a sudden all the people around the baby turn into like these almost Lovecraftian monsters. Oh wow! It's like right. a, it's like a sunshiny day. It's like plastic like perhaps special like like not cgi it's like really like old school horror effects like completely over the top but like there's a cop whose face is melted and his eyes are falling out when he talks to that baby and you see like the baby actually like i don't know if they really like had like really traumatized the baby in that video but like you (laughs) see this this kid actually reacting to all the scary shit that is happening and to me that's a metaphor of like a mom who should be protecting her kid like from all these creepy ass people out in the world and um i'm in the video like is getting super psychedelic in the end but these first two minutes are just like okay this this must be like what babies actually feel like the outside world is like when there's no mom and no dad protecting you from all this creepy shit i have to look that up highly yeah. yeah, highly recommended video. Yeah, I remember that band. I, I, like I said, I just know like one or two, maybe two songs at this point because that one, it's not the one I was thinking of originally. But yeah, they were they were very, uh, very Brooklyn two thousand nine. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, very yeah, much absolutely. in that kind of like Williamsburg, you know, dudes with mustaches type thing. Um, yeah. but you know, which is like fine, you know. Yeah. They're like like that record, like it's good. You can listen to it. It's kind of like the same thing with like Franz Ferdinand and the Strokes and all these bands. They had like this one album, and then they were like the band of the like the catch of the day at New Musical Express in Great Britain, and then they moved on, and no one cared for them anymore. But that song is like a legit hit, and the video is really good. So yeah, Kids by MGMT, highly recommended. So. 
Okay, let's move on. Right. Uh, I have another. I have another song title triggering other aspects that we need to talk about. You probably have heard of that song title. Uh, Fear is a weapon. <laughs> yeah. Um, my context to this, without like actually diving into the lyrics that you wrote, and because spoiler, it's a tombstone. Um, uh, I want to talk about how fear is a key element of religion to work of political power of capitalism and like draw the conclusion with uh, the subject that we're always interested in cults and, and like religious groups so yeah that's like a broad to topic but like yeah let's see how that goes so i don't know like when you wrote that that song do you remember like what it was actually about that we were thinking about while writing that yeah, well, actually, uh, yeah, the it was more about how the monotheistic religions wep weaponized fear to control people. You know, um, yeah. I, I don't, I, pagan religions don't necessarily try to control anybody. You know what I mean? Like any any pre Christian ideologies were more about trying to understand the surroundings and um, the world and figure out why the sun shines sometimes and you don't get rain or you know, why we have certain fertility rights and stuff like that. That was more, my understanding of pagan religions was pre-Christianity was, that was what they focused on or trying to accomplish with their various ideologies. But once the advent of monotheism hit the world, that's suddenly where people are, all right, we're going to control everybody. We're going to guilt people. We're going to make people afraid of um, going to hell. Uh, we're yeah. going to define hell as, as a negative place and heaven as a place to seek, you know, solace you go there if you lead if you follow these rules a b c d and e and you know you abstain from certain things and we only allow you know that that was basically my idea you know which is like yeah. not not a very original idea but it's something i was fascinated with at the time yeah it i mean yeah that's the kind of like what i read into that and it's just like well like if you that's that's one of the things right now i mean I, I want to do like an episode, the, the metaphysics of reason and, and something like this, you know, but it's just like, isn't it like absurd what like still in the 20th, so I was still in the 21st century as already like it's, it's uh, that religion still has the power to like install fear in people in that way. Like, like you described this, like if you don't follow the rules, you will go to hell to eternal damnation. And it's like, there's no scientific proof for that, but like, trust my words, if you do that, you will go to hell. So it's like, oh yeah, ooh, uh, better not do that. It's like, it's right now, Ramadan is just happening. And, and so like all like the kids in school right now, they're like not eating from sun, like from dusk till dawn, uh, from dawn till dusk. And, and they're like, some of them fainted and collapsed. And, and then like, I feel so bad. I feel so bad, but I have to do this because otherwise I won't be a good Muslim. And it's like, like, yeah. Do you think like, really like God will like punish you and let you die because you're like, uh, because you ate something like, isn't he like your protector? But yeah, I have to like prove my, I have to prove my loyalty to him. Otherwise I, I, I won't go to paradise. It's like, yeah. That's that's a great idea. I mean, like getting rid of some meals for you or like for people is probably not a bad idea. But like because someone told you like for one month, you're not allowed to eat while it's like sunshine outside. 
it's beyond me. It's like, it's so absurd. Well, that's like just extremism, you know what I mean? Because like a lot of these things, even in, you know, in Judaism and Islam and all these, um, you know, Christianity, like there's these uh, concepts of uh, your diet, you know, what you what you can eat, what you can't eat, and yeah. fasting. And that really probably had a positive, that was a positive, um, you know, rule that people had back when they lived out in the desert and, you know, whatever, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, but once you get, power hungry humans involved that's when it becomes this extreme negative thing where people are fainting you know it's it's like yeah. you know fast every 24 hour fast every now and then is good for you you know it's good to skip meals here and there and, and our bodies as as hunter gatherers where our, our physiology is 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 really works really well when we limit the amount the times and the amount of food we eat you know and, you know yeah. I mean, in my country fucking everyone just didn't eat 24 7 access to food and there were, mm. there were a bunch of fat fucks out here. You know what I mean? <laughs> they had no, no self-control, you know. But So in, in a way, that's good. But then you take the, like everything, humanity gets involved. People who want to control everyone, want to prop themselves up as these, like, you know, leaders. Yeah. And they've turned into this extreme extremism. And then something that started, it had, it had its roots in a positive thing, become this, like, really negative authoritarian sort of thing. You know, that, that's yeah. what it turns into. Last week, man, it was like I, I, I had taught us like I have a sixth, sixth grade class that I teach in music. Sixth graders, they're like 12, 13, like 11, between 11 and 13. I come into that class and uh, there's like a group of like group of kids yelling at one other kid. This other kid is crying and is like totally devastated. I'm like coming like, what the fuck's going on? Move away, go to your seat, blah, 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 blah. And then like everybody's talking crazy like through each other. I'm like, okay, let me restore order here. So like you shut the fuck up, you shut the fuck up. <laughs> and like it's just like really like, okay, so what, what happened? And then he tried to talk like that kid that cried. He like tried to explain. And then instantaneously like 10 other kids started yelling at him again. I was like, what the fuck's going on? So like I took that kid out tried to like calm down the others. Then I like, it took me like 15 minutes to restore order in this class of 30 kids. I'm like, so what the fuck's the problem? So it ended up being the problem that the kids yelling at the other guy, they're all Muslims and that kid is also a Muslim, but his parents live like a modern version of, of, of Islam. More secular. So he, yeah, and, and they said, like, you don't have to. Like, when you're old enough and you feel comfortable, you can fast if you want to, but you don't have to right now. And he's like, yeah, like, I, I fast, like, from all the morning, but, like, in the afternoon I eat, I eat one apple and I drink a glass of water. And then, like, sixth-grade kids attack this kid for, like, you're not a Muslim. You will go to hell. You're, you're like, this is, like, that's, like, you're spitting in the face of our religion. It's not your religion. You will go to hell and you will go, like, will die. And it's like these kids, like the thing that shit their parents told them, and like to bully another kid. And that's like, that's like what I meant with also with political power because religion is like religious power, but in politics, they do the same fucking thing. Like, if you're not, my, if you don't have my opinion, I will boo you to the ground. You will be the loner. You will be the outsider. And if you're like looking wrong at me, we will kill you. And this is like kind of what the what the what the society has come to at some like to some degree. 
Yeah, yeah, and it's it's really uh, kind of an embarrassment to humanity that um, these fables that people believe in have become such a huge part of politics and the way everyone lives their lives and the hatred they have for each other. Yeah, you know, there's like I, yeah, sorry. The funny thing too is like in in pre-Christian religions, um, <clears throat> the underworld was the under hell didn't exist really. I mean, I'm, not, I'm speaking generally now. This is like you can look at different parts of the world and different, you know. But the underworld was not necessarily hell, you know. It wasn't necessarily a bad place. It was like just another realm within the cosmos that had its own set of entities and gods and everything. And oftentimes, you know, gods from the uh, from the overworld would travel into the underworld, you know. And then, you know, during and now I'm speaking mainly about like um, ancient Britain, where like. You know, during the uh, winter season, I think it was correct, Kernunos or whatever would travel into the underworld and he'd be reborn in, in the, you know, in the in the spring and then it would be the new, you know, fertility season. Like it had more to do with like fertility and, you know, winter and death and rebirth and all that kind of stuff. That's more what the underworld was in a lot of pre-Christian religions. It wasn't like this place that tortured souls like go to, you know what I mean? Mm. And I'm speaking. Yeah. I'm speaking to generalities. I understand that if you, someone out there, wants to challenge me in specifics, I, I agree. There are certain religions that have like a, a hellish underworld, but it's not necessarily evil to go into the underworld. Yeah, but it's it's again, it's like one of these concepts that like, uh, yeah, that fear, like fear, keeps you in line. You know, like uh, I mean, that's a quote from uh, from Star Wars. Like fear will keep them in line. It's like one of the first quotes I remember about fear. It's just like that's what what well, like what what the government uses and like what and at the same point while like keep people in check. It's like if you install fear, they will instantaneously like at the same amount they will increase their capital value because. People tend to like when they're afraid, they tend to buy. They try to hoard things. Like, pe like buying things is a distraction from the feeling of being alone and like being afraid of shit. So, like in the pandemic, look at what happened. People were bored and everything. Like everything, people started to order shit, and like that gave them a sense of purpose, a sense of life. And this was like this this feeling of like the fear of like I'm not like living my life to the fullest because I cannot go out 24 seven and get hammered like for, for, for eight, eight hours, like for eight days a week from a feeling of it, you know, 25 hours a day, eight days a week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just like, you know, like this is, this is the, like, that's why, that's why I, what I meant with a cunt thing. Like when, when I, when I read the biography of Kant and like, I'm, I'm still like, I'm, I'm backing like a lot of the shit that he thought about, being like cunt you like this guy this motherfucker had a lot of money and so like he pretty much all he did was think so like he had time to go out and just sit on a bench uh watch people think about what they're doing and then like come from one step to the next step and then you see like a red linen in, in between things and you see connections and that's what i meant with fear so like People like become religious because they're afraid of not being part of a community, of like being alone, of like the concept of dying of hell. Politics do the same thing. If you if you don't like work, you will be poor and then you will have a bad life and no one wants to have a bad life. You only have that one life, you know? And then like uh, if you buy things, your life will be worth something. So all all the like, you know, all the ties 
end up in that bubble, which is fear, you know, like that's, that's why, why I wanted to talk about this concept because it's so intertwined into not only our DNA with the instincts that we have, but it's also ingrained in the way we operate and live our lives. Yeah, the um, the funny thing about fear and religion too, and, and, and this actually goes into politics, is that as soon as the, mono, the monotheistic Christianity came into uh, existence, <clears throat> excuse me, they figured out a way. <clears throat> the Romans figured out a way. They became the Holy Roman Empire, you know, mm. and they went from a pagan religion where it was very permissible to do whatever you want to this like very regimented authoritarian religion, and they ab- adopted that because they figured out, okay, great, we can control the population better you know and this is like we're going to take this and bring it everywhere else we're going to bring it to to britain you know we're going to make the you know the the pagans that live in ancient britain we're going to make them christians you know and and that was like that way we can control everyone we're speaking through the will of the monotheistic god not apollo or jupiter or mars or all the various different you know entities that they they believed in you know and it just became this and that's how it is today man especially in my country where we're on the we're battling authoritarianism here and one of the biggest tools that the far right is using is religion you know and fear yeah. and oh yeah you know like you know the you know satan is uh ruling the democratic party and you know, it's just all this bullshit man yeah yeah yeah, and it's also like all the Trump speeches are like when you compare it to the speeches that Hitler gave and all the others, it's like install fear in people, give them hope, tell them you will take their fear away. You're like uh, Trump will make you like you know like they, he will he will make my my life livable. He will like make me have the most money and not the not the immigrants, not the Mexicans. You know, like, I'm afraid that my life sucks. It's not my fault. I'm just a dumb asshole, but, like, I deserve better, so I have to blame someone, and I'm afraid that I will have less than the next one, and, like, this is exactly what the what the politicians, like, promise you. Yeah, no, absolutely, and, yeah. And what, and what, like, one one thing that, like, when, uh, what I read up on a bit was, like, I, a kid, like, in school asked me, like, uh, can you explain to me why there's, like, uh, uh, like evangelic and, and Catholic, uh, Catholic uh, branch of Christianity? And, I mean, I knew, like, the, 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 the basic story of Martin Luther and, like, the Reformation. And then I, like, read a bit more and I taught a lesson about this. And then it like it just blew my mind. It's like it's so so typically for religion. So like you had like the Inquisition shit happening. It's like hey yeah like you you act like a you act like a bad woman. So I call you a whore and like a, a witch and then we'll burn you on a stick. And it's like uh, and then later on like okay so if you sin we're we're the church we can tell you that you go to heaven or we can tell you that you go to hell. And because you don't know any better, you probably can't read. So, like, trust my words. Um, so, like, you committed a sin, you can just, like, buy your way out of it. You give us your money, we will absolute <laughs> you of your sins. And and then, like, another guy comes out is like, this is kind of like a dumb idea. So, here are my ideas of, like, uh, <laughs> of doing it in a different way. And then, like, Martin Luther gets, like, almost crucified because, like, he actually, like, brought this, this concept, like, like into a struggle and look at the Catholic religion today, nowadays with all the child molestation, the money that they have, the right. influence they still have. It's all based on the fear of people of going to hell. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing about um, 
Catholicism in Europe and the Protestant movement is that uh, you know the Protestants were persecuted in um, in Europe, right? Like when um, that's yeah. why they came to the, that's what the United States is. It's like a a, a haven for these people escaping religious persecution. You know, and um, yeah. there's that film, uh, the Ken Russell film based on the uh, Devils of Lodon that um, mm. the Devils with Oliver Reed in it. Yep. And they, they kind of go into that, how the Catholic, the Protestants were like, you know, whipping boys in Europe, you know. Yep. So the irony is that once the Protestants in, installed themselves in the, in the new the new world here, uh, they quickly, <laughs> quickly became the persecutors, you know. Uh, to any different ideas. And now that evangelical movement in um, evangelical Christianity in the United States, you know, even though it's like people didn't never took it seriously, like sensible people wield a a unimaginable amount of power in the far right, in the, in the GOP uh, voter base, you know, like all these like snake handler, uh, tongues speaking in tongues you know mm, looking mm. weirdos with the mega churches and all that you know that's like yeah. a huge part of that voting block and that's why this christian bullshit is becoming a thing again you know all these like, yes. shitheads in in the house of house of uh, De- house of representatives like uh you know marjorie taylor green and uh lauren bulbert and uh hal jordan whatever the hell his name is jim jordan Mm-hmm. Hal, Hal Jordan was the Green Lantern. Sorry, Jim Jordan. Yeah, was, uh, <laughs> that's why they're they're espousing all this like far like very religious extremism, which to me borders on Sharia law, which is the thing that they're railing against. They're making everyone afraid of Muslims and Islam, yet their ideology is equally as extreme as anything the Muslims have done with Sharia law. But everyone's yeah, most people are too fucking stupid to understand that. You know, yeah. And yeah, that's like one of the one of the key aspects that I always like talk about with kids in school when they ask me is like, why do so many people hate my religion? Why do they hate Muslims? And I'm like, it's the same thing like with everything else in the world that you have 100% of the people uh, like into like which are like one group, but 2% of them behave like assholes. And because the other people like are afraid and they're not knowledgeable, they're afraid of what these two person did, two uh, percent did, and that's why ninety eight percent of them will be like put into the same category. And it's like you know, like not every Muslim plans on flying a plane into towers. It's like there are these assholes who didn't read the Quran right because no nowhere in the Quran it says that that's the thing you should do. Um, but like some people read it with like with one blind eye or like with the Taliban in Afghanistan right now where you have like 80% of people who are not able to read. So like the religion they live, the book that they pray so much, they haven't even read it because someone told them what this book actually says. And, you know, it's it, that's so absurd. And then like kids are and I, I have so many Muslim kids that I teach and they're all like, why do everybody ha- like what those why do so many people hate me for the religion I have? And so it's like, yeah, because two percent of assholes did something in the name of your religion, which is not even backed by your holy book, but they destroyed the reputation of you. And now you're their enemy. Now they are afraid of you. And that's why they want to fight you. 
Yeah, you know, and this is this the othering, the tactic of othering people is not. I mean, this whole thing is is very much a playbook for strongman authoritarian uh, government. You know, where we are, we got to pick some scapegoats here. All right, so let's pick yeah. people that yeah. look different. They have a different religion, and um, you know, conveniently we were at war with some Muslim countries, and there's. But then again, if you want to go far back into the late seventies and the eighties, you can see the enabling of all of this stuff in the Middle East by the United States too. You know, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. No one looks at the big picture. They just look at yesterday's news and they're like, oh, well, you know, the, the Muslims are like attacking us or whatever, you know, and, and that othering thing is not just in my or I'm speaking from an American perspective is not necessarily just Muslims. It's like people south of the border from Mexico. It's anyone that's yeah. not white, basically, that you cannot yeah. that you can't relate to here as a white person, because yeah. one of the most disturbing things is when the war in Ukraine started with uh, with Russians. Like there were some people talking about how it's like, oh, well, you know, now you're fighting your neighbor, you know, your guy who could be your neighbor because they're not yeah. they're not Arabs. You know, it's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Man. You right. really tell me like, all right, it's cool to go and like slaughter like, you know, Arabs because they look different than you. Right. But now yeah. these guys are all white people together who probably have ethnically the same makeup. I mean, hell, you know, I mean, I'm not going to this might be controversial, but that whole region of the world was, you know, one thing at one point, you know. Yeah. And now it's like, oh, it's cool. You guys, you know, that's hard, man. Oh, well, you got to kill another guy like who looks like you. And that's yeah. just that's yeah. the that's the, the the insidious like ideology that gets put out there it's like oh, the other the other person the gay person the trans person the person who is has a yeah. different oh now and now it's even more granular it's like oh well you're a liberal you know you're a fucking idiot yeah. you know or you're a right wing or you're this or you're that or you're christian oh they don't believe in the will of god or whatever and it's just like that's a tool that's based in fear yeah. that is being utilized by people who just want to control you the person right and promote their own power you know, and it's like, and well, the, that that's true evil. That's evil. Yes, right. And that's like the thing when we talked about the mo like the horror movies, you know, there's always like most like it's mostly evil personified like Michael Myers, Jason, Freddy, all these all these like characters or like even like with Event Horizon, Weir and the Event Horizon itself. Like there's always like actual evil personified uh, but like I wrote my my master's thesis at university about evil and like uh, the example of Hitler and Satanism and like it's the evil within us like you know like the evil in our minds that searches until it finds and you know like and makes us do these horrible things and and that's like there's so much that like happens and this distracts us and i always come back to that one like I, I i don't know exactly like the words that he used but when you had that episode with eugenius robinson when when he spoke about like how the big players that actually control everything they just like throw stuff out there which will make people afraid and they can do their own bidding like behind the scenes you know like this 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 the the thing that a lot of people are afraid of that like the actual shit that we see that we deal with is actually not what's really going on. Yeah, if it was smart, if there was a smart statement in that episode, it was most likely from Eugene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that 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 dude, like he's he's knowledgeable. Yeah, dude, if you're gonna like, that that guy is like one of the most intelligent people, most just on on point with almost everything, man. If you're gonna engage yeah. that guy in any kind of debate, you got to pack a lunch, man, for sure. 
Yeah, that's that's uh, one of these like not not maybe as much as he was, but like if you remember Benny of Planks, yeah, like uh, he like th- you know like, I study philosophy, but like that guy studied philosophy. So like when I already like I had like uh, I finished my apprenticeship and then I started like studying philosophy for teaching. This guy already had like a master's degree in psychology, and then just for fun, he on top studied philosophy and sociology. And so, like, whenever we drove, like, to a show, I was, like, riding the car, and Frank was, like, sitting shotgun, and we had talks, and Benny was, like, in the back reading, like, this super heavy philosophical shit. Like, whenever there was a discussion at a show, he, like, he obliterated everybody else because he knows, he knew so much. And, like, Eugene has, like, the same appeal. Like, not in an asshole way, but it's, like, so you want to talk about this? Let's talk about this. And I remember, like, when we toured the UK with, and, and Carson did, like, his, his, his shtick, like, his, his, like, I'm the big player out there, you know, I know the world. And he had started mocking Benny for, like, being, like, a cheeky monkey. And, and Benny was like, Ralph, what does cheeky monkey mean? I translated him. And then, like, Benny was always quiet. And then he wanted to, like, Carson started, like, wanted to have a philosophical discussion. And then Benny, with his broken English, with, like, just the rent, like, few words that he knew, he absolutely obliterated Carson. And I was just like, oh, this is so sad right now yeah. for him. Dude. <laughs> there was a lot of tension on that tour, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a bit, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean that's a, like that's the thing. Like you know, like knowledge is power, and it's important to know things that you're not afraid of every like stupid thing. But like that's the the interesting thing about fear. Like it's like it's not like defined by reason. It just happens. Like people use it because we have like the tendency. Like we have the this chip implanted in us, which like creates fear, and we're like uh, we're like uh, designed to react in a certain way. And the, the, the scary thing is that people actually use it to control us and manipulate us. Yeah, yeah it's funny, or I should say interesting. It's not very funny. I'll correct myself there. But that's like a second-order use of fear because fear definitely has a, a, a more primal um, you know, basis. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it is a positive thing because you don't want to walk into the clutches of a predator or something like that. And that's where it's useful to, be, to have fear. Yeah. But all this other like mental gymnastics that go on that are used to manipulate people is like a second order civil civilization characteristic, which I find interesting. Mm. Um, I mean, like looking at the like the time, I think we should like maybe go to the last thing and sure. like start winding down. Okay. Um, so we we spoke about like the the in, in, like the first contact with horror and like the implanted fear that we have. Then we spoke about fear as a weapon where people like use fear for tactics but like in like in our in our actual like the hearts you and your heart i and my heart we're like emos and we talk about a lot of emotional shit all the time yeah like especially off scene which we won't bring into like that part this podcast <laughs> but we always like but i don't mean we often speak about personal experiences and we're like really open and i think that's like at least that's what i get as a feedback for like this podcast from people or like also with Ulta. that's like it's cool that people are like communicating what they think about what they feel and like there's a connection and that's what I hope like this podcast, this this concept of the metaphysics of fear maybe resonates with some of our listeners is um, 
I want to go into like the actual thing that is like close to our hearts. And that's why I thought like as a last like headline is like the song title of like Ulfa's hit song, Fear Lights the Path Close to Our Hearts. Um, you and I were both no strangers to being hurt and like vulnerable and like being afraid for things. And uh, in the last weeks, I like in, in, in the process of sorting things out, you know, like things that have been lingering around in my head for a while. I thought I found that like the only thing that I was really afraid of actually happened. And that kind of brings me back to a song like like, like a quote from Numeral Army. Uh, fear, uh, fear is the only enemy that I still know. And uh, to me, like, I, I wanted to ask you, like, what are the things that you are actually afraid of? Like, is there stuff that you're, like, willing to talk about that you're actually afraid sure. of? And besides yeah. from spiders, like, obvious things, like, for me, it's spiders. I hate spiders. But, like, I'm, I'm talking about, like, the deep shit. Um, yeah, that that's changed over the course of my life, too, you know. Um, it's... Uh... And most of my the sources of my fear these days have very little to do with myself. They have to do with people around me. Like I have to be honest when I say that I feel like I'm not afraid of dying. I'm not afraid. I'm ready to die. Honestly, like I'm. If I died today, I would be like, okay, cool. You know, everything's. I, I'm at a place in my life where I am completely at peace with dying. Okay, so it's not my death that I fear. I fear having to understand the death of people that are close to me and being and dealing with their fear of what's ahead of them you know and you know recently i mean i, I kind of hint, hint you know people that have been listening in the show realize i was i was kind of mia for about a week or so and you know i my dad had to go to the hospital and get a um tumor removed and um you know it was not necessarily it wasn't a vile a dire scenario but you know the doctor was like okay you know we have a tumor it's on the outside of the intestine you know we recommend removing it and doing a biopsy and figuring out what it is and you know it or not doing it you know or it'll, it'll just continue to grow and i was just like well we should go in okay so my dad went into the hospital um and uh, like a, a couple of weeks ago and i remember the monday morning we got there we had to be there at 7:45 so i got there at 7 with my parents <laughs> you know i'm like early you're if you're not early you're late you know and for something like this i want to be substantially early so that there's no issues you know and uh so they send down the anesthesiologist and this fucking guy like <laughs> like this this dude I, i'm going to i'm going to be a little bit hyperbolic when i say this but he was like all right basically we're going to go in there and try to kill your dad. And um, essentially, there's a pretty good chance he's going to make it. You know, like that's basically what he told me. Like he went through every possible thing that can go wrong with the anesthesia. And like, you know, these are all, I mean, I, I get why they do that. And maybe I haven't had an operation since I was like a young kid to get my tonsils taken out. So I haven't been under anesthesia ever in my oh. adult life. So I don't, I don't know these things. So that three hour period, when my dad was getting operated on was the most white hot fear that I think I've ever experienced in my life because I was like waiting the minutes, the moments down, 
totally convinced that I was going to get a phone call saying that your dad had a stroke and he died on the operating table. And like, and it's not, and, and once again, it's like the impact that would have on my life, the impact that my, it would have on my dad. Cause my dad actually looks forward to living. Like he likes being alive. Mm-hmm. He likes his life. He enjoys things. You know, he is interested in stuff, you know, and then the impact on my mother who is lost would be lost without my dad, you know? And, and me just mm-hmm. missing my father, like not having him as another hole in my life that would just appear out of nowhere. And um, yeah, it just like that, that was the most recent and the most intense fear experience that I've had in my entire life. I, when you, well, we spoke a bit about this before we started recording this. And when you like told me that, what you just like said, and like, that's cool. Like, thanks for sharing. I guess like a lot of people out there appreciate your openness and I will be equally as open. But like, I, I, I was thinking about this, what you described and I, I under like I underwent the same thing last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, first of all, like I had, I had like two surgeries in my recent life, like one on a herniated disc, and then I had my nose broken and reformed so I could like breathe better. Oh, wow. okay. Both, yeah, both of them were like like not really difficult like things to do, but both were with anesthesia, mm-hmm. and I do like it. It fucked me up so bad. Like I. I was like damaged for like probably a day afterwards because my body was just not comfortable with like being knocked out in that way. So like maybe if I if I'd lived my life more like on a rambunctious like you know like going out uh, on nine days a week for sixty two hours <laughs> <you know? laughs> nine days a week yeah yeah I get hammered all the time and doing drugs maybe I'd be like more comfortable. Well like dude that fucked me up but like. I wasn't, I'm also, I'm not afraid to die anymore. I have to say I'm afraid of like it being painful. So if I can choose, I would just want to have a death where I just like pass out dead. I would like love to just like be asleep when I die. That would be cool. Like I'm afraid of pain in that sense. Um, But like to me, it's all the same thing. One, One thing that I like thought about the last week so much is like I do... 98% 98% I do things only for other people. I completely, because I consider myself not worth anything, any love, any attention. So I'm always like, I'm always like stressed out when people say they care about me. And like most people, I have problems actually believing it is that way. It's like only like, like there's probably like three or four people and like you being one of them. Oh, if you thanks, say man. like, like your your life matters to me and that's the same thing you know like if you would tell me like that you have like an illness and you have to go to hospital to undergo surgery i will be here on the edge of my seat like until i hear back from you like how you are like you know like for 98 percent of like people in my life it's like if they go to a hospital it's like yeah have luck have fun and like <laughs> maybe, maybe you survive maybe you don't i don't care but it's just like a handful of living beings that had that and like last year to me my biggest fear over the years was like Audrey's death. Yeah. And that like, I I remember like I went on a walk with Danny and we had a bit of like an argument and uh, it was about other p- people in our lives. And, and then all of a sudden like this just broke out and I just like burst into tears because I, I haven't really like dealt with the loss of Audrey because I was like, 
Audrey had to undergo surgery when they found like a scan. They said like, there's something weird here and we have to get that checked. And then we have to take a biopsy and she has a weak heart or she had a weak heart. And then they said like, yeah, so same thing with like with your dad, like we will like we will pretty much kill kill her cat now and then we will reanimate her and hopefully she will survive that. But her heart is like uh, has like another disease. So chances are 50 50. Oh, man. And there. And I remember the vinyl for all that has never been true just arrived. Like one of the happiest days because I love that record so much, which is also a year old. Like yesterday was the one year anniversary. Oh, wow. It's crazy. Dude, like it has been a year already. It feels like, like it just insane. came out. It feels like it came out Dude, like two months ago. It's, it's like, fuck, man, a year. Well, like where is time anymore? So I remember that we like had the vinyl and then Andy, Danny and I like – the, like uh, had like a packing date at Denny's place at the house that she lives, and that was the day I said like I will, can we please do it on that day because that was the day that like I had to like bring Audrey to the vet mm -hmm. and like they said like we will call you and can hopefully pick her up later so I was like I can't be alone at home right now so let's pack the vinyl and do like I don't recall anything from that day anymore because I know like Danny Andy and I had talks but my head was completely somewhere else until they called and said like, yeah, she's awake. You can pick her up. So like this fear in that moment, like that day, it was dreadful. I was completely like out of energy. There was no clear feeling, clear thought. And I was like, this is the most intense fear I've had in ages. And I had the, I was afraid of her dying like, like for a while, but like then it became real. This the real fear that you just described about the thing that you had with your dad when he underwent surgery. And then like, you know, like, okay, hopefully it's good. And then like a week later, they're like, yeah, <clears throat> the results are in and she's not going to make it for more than like two or three months. Oh man. That, it's terrible. And that's that and that was like then every day became dominated with a fear of losing my little girl. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and and she she made it, dude. Like she 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 made it into like four months. She fought so hard, and she must have had like, she's she struggled so hard, and uh, yeah. Then I had to let her go, and that was like to this day the most most afraid I have been in ages. You know, like I haven't I haven't like a very good relation to my parents, so I always claim that when they pass. It won't really matter to me, and I, I I really think it is that way. It will be weird, and but I won't be like as devastated. But do like losing Audrey, and like for the people that do, oh man, yeah, that's like that's actual fear, and like I know like how crippling how crippling fear can be, and I mean we spoke about so many symptoms, but it's the small things, and at some point like this is the stuff that becomes your life and then fear dominates you and that's kind of like why i wanted to do this podcast yeah, yeah that's that that's you know i i also have a cat so i mean you know she's she's getting older i mean she's still trucking you know she's still healthy but like you know i feel like in especially in in light of the last few years for me personally like there's been so many, i've lost so many people man that are close to me and i mean yeah. you know one of one of the you know you know this person a little bit yes I mean, you know, yeah. and it, it, I still feel that fucking void of emptiness where that person used to, you know, she used to um, have that part of my life. And uh, yeah. I think that is what put the idea of 
fear into because when she passed it wasn't it was out of the blue it was no one expected it it happened unexpectedly i mean there was health issues but it wasn't like um you know i i I figured i would see her again you know what i mean i figured i'd talk to her on the phone but it was just out of the blue randomly she passed away you know and then i think that anxiety that that knowledge that life is so fragile that whenever something you know someone would well, specifically, my dad would go into, um, you know, a scenario that was threatening that the fear manifested itself. And even my aunt who passed away last year, like she basically died out of the blue. You know, she just lost consciousness one day. They brought her in the hospital and a week later she was gone. You know, so it was very quick. So there wasn't a lot of like time to be afraid. There was time for grief and sorrow and all those other things. But there wasn't a lot of fear involved in that. But with that in 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 perspective of those things like the my dad the build up to that thing of him going you know okay we're making a decision I'm talking to the doctor the doctor's oh. giving me information it's like driving to the hospital early in the morning you know waiting there and that was like really fucking excruciating man you know really yeah. so that that's that's a real just white hot fear that I had during that period yeah it makes you like makes you realize like how fragile everything is and especially like in our case where there's so little and so little that actually matters yeah, to us absolutely and like so like so many so, so few living people that i like now treasure them even more yeah. like audrey that's like that's the only good thing about the fear that like i mean there's still fear about losing these these people but it like makes me aware and like more more like uh, optimistic of like doing the best to like spend time with them and go out and live life yeah and yeah and to not be afraid all the time of like the worst case scenario you know but it's like yeah fear is a part of our lives and it's 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 just some people it's controlling them i mean fear can become a disease and for some it's them make them aware and make the best out of it but you cannot rule it out it like it's it's just there it won't go away and uh yeah, that's like why I thought like maybe this is a good starting point for a new series with the metaphysics off. And I think we took a real good deep dive and that's kind of like how I hoped it would be. Like how do you how do you like ju- like how do you rule the, the episode that we just did? No, it's great. It's good to talk about these things too. I mean it's um you know, honestly it's kind of therapeutic in a lot of ways. And maybe people out there will yeah. get something on that level out of it. You know, it's not yeah. just uh you know, talking about killer music and books and you know it's actual real emotions and feelings and ways of coping with certain things too you know yeah and that's like that's why we encourage like always encourage all you listeners out there if you want to like comment please leave a comment or like drop us a line on the patreon or like on, on the actual feed and like, let us know if you dig this stuff. I mean, we will do it anyhow. <laughs> because <laughs> I mean, it's not it's not going to change anything. But uh, you know, just let us know how you feel about it. You know. Yeah, like if there's uh, maybe there's also maybe there's topics that you want us to talk about. Like, I mean, I have a few ideas, and I guess now, like seeing how this went, like you will have some ideas about topics we can discuss in the metaphysics off. Um, but yeah, I think that was a good like starting point, and I'm glad we did this. Like it helped me, and uh, yeah, it's a different aspect to what this podcast is. It's like it's an open forum, and it's like I'm so proud to be part of that platform that you 
created, which is always changing, always morphing and always bettering. So yeah, thanks for having me on this. No, of course, man. It's a pleasure. You know, it's funny to just expand a little bit on what you just said about the changing nature of the podcast. Like last week's episode, which was like a collection of, of, of from the vault episodes, even for me to listen to what I was doing like 10 years ago with this show is like really fucking interesting because it's like yeah. things have completely transformed into a totally different thing, which I think is, in, it's, that's a really cool thing, you know? And, and that's the, the cool thing. I listened to that too, because I remember that podcast of the secret uh, episode. Um, I remember when that came out because I was I mean, pretty much live there when, when you got that show canceled and yeah. all that shit happened. And look at like, at that point, I remember like you had the only podcast that I knew of. And, and now look at like the podcast world and you gotta like, gotta stay relevant. You gotta like, you know, stay ahead of the times. And I think that's what, especially with the move away from metal matters, like no, again, no hate on metal matters, but it was like really limiting. And now look at what you created with this, with this multiverse and like how you influenced all the other horsemen and uh that network we have now and the possibilities so like yeah that's it's a really cool thing yeah that that's the coolest thing to come out of all this stuff is just the friendships between everyone and and um yeah i I treasure that man i gotta be honest it's um especially it it all came up during the isolation of of the pandemic too which is like helped keep me going too you know which is like a complete, we could do like a sub episode on just like the fear and the pandemic and like how that works. But uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, you know, what would be great is if we got everyone together and we just had like a, a, a bro down episode <laughs> between everybody and put it out yeah. on all of our all of our streams. Everyone put out the that, same episode. And I, that, that, that would, that would yeah. be incredible. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, it's possible with the tech technology right now. I yeah. mean, we're good, just like a good host on on like on uh, I don't know Zoom or whatever we could use, but I think that would be funny. Like have a get together, which like which was probably not happening anytime soon in real life. Like giving the distance between everyone, even you guys in the states, is like yeah. there's like hours away from each other. Well, you know, I I did meet up with Brandon down when we were on tour yeah. last year, and uh, I'm you know it's there's a chance I might be with you guys in in the summer. You know what I mean? I'm still that, sort, sorting that out. I got some uh, scheduling things I have to look into, but there's a possibility of uh, at least some of the horsemen getting together in, in the UK this summer. So oh, we'll see. man, that would, that would be rad. I mean, that would be fantastic. I mean, I will definitely see Jackie because you're coming to Reaper Fest. Yeah. And uh, a lot of the listeners out there already told us that you will come and maybe you will come. I mean, the only chance that Carl will come is like if you have like the casket and, and some sand on the ship. And... <laughs> yeah, they're going to have to put him on the Achilles or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I mean, I'll, see, I'll see Carl. I'll see Carl this this fall on a tour. So um, so that'll be nice to meet up with him in person, too. Yeah. Yeah, man. I think that was a good first one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Take care.